This season of The 80 is kindly brought to you in association with artisan food producers Moorish. Moorish uses only the best ingredients to create their deliciously different dips. Using traditional methods and adding a unique smoked twist, their products are indeed incredibly Moorish. From the original smoky hummus to zingy lemon and dill smoked hummus, Moorish's creations will delight your taste buds. Our personal favourite in the About Time office is the new Moorish pea hummus, which is exclusive to Sainsbury's. With a delicious pea flavour and 15 grams of protein per pot, it's our ideal indulgent afternoon snack. If you're in the mood for something with a kick, their smoked hummus with chilli harissa is fiery and delicious. Or try their garlic and Sicilian lemon aioli, which is gloriously creamy with a zing of fresh lemon. Available in all good supermarkets, including Sainsbury's, Waitrose, Ocado and Booth's, why not stock up on some Moorish today? Thank you to our sponsors, Moorish. Looking at the best things to do in London and beyond? From food to fitness, bars to going out, this is the AT, the About Time Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the AT Show. Hi guys, thanks for joining us. Yeah, it's winter, it's December now. It's cold. So cold. It's so cold. You had you, soup for lunch. You were in Australia last week. I was in Australia. And do you know what? It felt really weird to be in such a hot climate in November. Mm. And they really didn't do a lot with the Christmas decorations, I'll be honest. It's strange to have a hot Christmas. But yeah. I suppose that for them that's normal. Christmas on the beach. And it was really weird because a lot of people were having Christmas parties next to me when I was like, eating my lunch in a restaurant. And it just felt a bit odd. In the sunshine. Yeah. Well, I had my first ever advent calendar given to me today. I ate all three of the chocolates. Mm. It's very exciting. I decided this year, though I'm Jewish, I'm going to adopt all the best bits of Christmas. So I'm going to have a Hanukkah, like a Hanukkah, and do the Hanukkah thing, but I'm also going to have a Christmas tree and an Advent Hanukkah. calendar. Isn't that like It's like Ikea. a cat. It's like a cat. Oh. No, it's not from Ikea. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a candelabra, although Ikea is really missing a trick. They could yeah. sell a limited edition range of Hanukkah Ikeas. Yeah. There you go, Ikea. That one's for free. Um, so what are we chatting about today, Alicia? Books. Having a book special. So we're going to be talking, because it's, you know, it's winding down to the end of the year, we've done lots of reading, and we haven't really spoken about what we've been reading. So this week's episode is all about books, and we've got some great authors on the show later on as well. We have. I love a book, you know. But I don't get the Kindle. I don't <laughs> like a Kindle. I like to feel the pages. Mm, I like the smell of a book. Yeah. They should sell Kindles, but with, like, book scent like a perfume to go mm. alongside it so you can spray that in your room I just like the feeling of a book mm. yeah I do as well I like going to a charity shop and browsing so what have you read recently that you've enjoyed are we doing the ones that we've read together they, yeah let's let's chat about some ones that we've both read and then I'm going to tell you some ones that I've read which are all super trashy yeah then I'll do my ones um, so we've read together I mean not like side by side but <laughs> sharing us. one book by candlelight <laughs> um, on separate occasions um, so Perfect Liars by Rebecca Reed. Yeah, who happens to be a friend of ours, full yeah. disclosure. But this is her debut novel. It, I loved it. So it's a kind of like domestic noir. It's a sort of psychological thriller, I'd say, with like a good twist. I really enjoyed it. I think as a debut novel as well, it was very, very cleverly crafted. The characters were well-rounded. I mean, they're not likeable characters. Yeah, I didn't like them at all, actually. But I think that's also the point, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. It is the point. Um, I actually 
read it quite quickly. I think if you are someone that struggles to get into a book where they don't have one character that they can like align with or like, that might be problematic. But I think it really helped create the tone. This like it's all about friendships and friendships going toxic and that kind of creepiness sometimes that in the undertones of female friendship. And I think she did that really well, don't you? Yeah, I do. And actually I, I got to the point where I just wanted to kind of figure it out what was going get on get it all in there yeah it was it was quite a page turner yeah it was i and you know it was kind of coming of age as well thrown in there mm. um did you see yourself in any of the characters in this no. psycho behavior god it was very psycho wasn't it i'd just never be married to an mp would i <laughs> i'm not an mp kind of gal not an mp wife not that that's a spoiler by the way yeah. um but no it was good and i think for a debut novel kudos to rebecca Kudos to Rebecca. So that is out uh, February 2019. Yes. And it also bit of a bit of a nepotism here, but we're also hosting her book launch at my uncle's bookshop. So if you want to get an invite, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, Notting Hill Bookshop, there will be there'll be invites flying around. Oh, I'm designing some custom biscuits for her. Oh, can uh, I bake something? <laughs> no, getting professional baking. Oh, of course, of course. Sorry. Um, Silly me. One of my favourite books from this year, um, without a doubt, is Everything I Know About Love by Dolly Alderson. What a read. Oh my God, it's so good. It's, I feel like it appeals to every girl who's gone through her 20s, had like love life dramas and friendships that have got her through and everything. Yeah. I think the title is quite misleading because it's not really about romantic love. But I think love. that's the beauty of it. Yeah, it's, it, that it's not really about romantic love, it's about friendship. But that's the thing and I, I think that um, as females we do concentrate a large portion of our time kind of finding relationships with, with you know a partner mm. rather than f- forging stronger bonds with our female friends yeah and the whole point of the book was that love is like already in your fingertips that the relationships she built with her female friends were like had taught her everything and they were like her support network yeah. and her safety net and I think it was really moving I, I cried actually did you I cried and then it can't, it made me think about my own female friendship mm. and I actually rang up my mate at the end of Did the book you? and I was like yeah I do think for a lot of people that book would have given you like quite bad life FOMO in the <laughs> I was I was jealous about her strong female because friendship as someone I didn't stay in touch with my school friends um, and I mean I'm really close to a couple of my university friends but I'm someone who has quite a few very close friendships and not like a big circle of friends and I very much like made peace with that later in my like 20s I'm like this is who I am and these are who my friends are but I definitely think when I was younger I felt quite insecure about not having like a circle of friends it just took me quite a a while to find my people and I did think reading that book that you could get this feeling that it's really normal to have as many kind of really close friends as she does and to have that circle and that network and not everyone has that a lot of people are lonely a lot of people struggle to find their people and I think Lilson's very lucky in that she found that group yes but it could and all the wild parties and everything like there's a lot that she's done in her life and I do think that it makes you think about your own life um, in new terms but I do think it was beautiful yes a lot of people are reading it at their weddings I've seen I've seen on Twitter oh, yes the love extract yeah it was just I really liked it and it was a refreshing read and I think in this you know it's quite nice to pick up a book that you can kind of see yourself in yeah yeah. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you know, and you'll think about your own relationships with female people in your life. Yeah, just no bad thing. What else have you read this year? Um, I have read Sweet Bitter by Stephanie uh, Damler, which is actually coming out to be a film. Really? But I've got this thing where I like to read the book before I ever go and watch a Definitely, film. Definitely, because the film's very rarely better. 
Um, I've got, I'm getting sidetracked, but I did watch Call Me By Your, um, I read Call Me By Your Name before I watched the film Call Me mm. By Your Name. I think the book is so much better. Really? It's so hauntingly beautiful. I, cr- I sobbed at the end. I was on an EasyJet flight, um, back from Berlin and I just couldn't, I just couldn't like stop crying. Really? It's beautiful. Call Me By Your Name is a beautiful book and, and everyone needs to read it. Even if you've seen the film, read it. Because the the film seems to kind of chop out a lot of some really good stuff, mm. um, but I would yeah, it's beautiful. But yeah, so sweet bitter, it's a it's a coming of age. I do like a coming of age. I think you it's my favourite genre. Um, it's sweet bitter. It's coming of age. Small town girl uh, moves to New York City and starts a job. Um, at a rest, a really, really kind of like esteemed restaurant in Manhattan. She learns all about like wine tasting, but also kind of it's her relationships, you know, uh, with people within the restaurant. Mm. And it's really good. Again, I couldn't put that down, took that to Canada with me. Um, and yeah, it's coming out of film next year. The trailer's already out. Really? But it's really good. It's really good. That's one of your tips. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to read that. Do you know what I, um, well, I have a very, I'd say lightweight taste in fiction. I tend to just like things that allow me to escape. And especially because I only really read a lot on holiday. Um, I love the kind of like girly books mm. and a little bit of rom-com, all that stuff. Um, Sophie Kinsella, I love. Like, I pretty much have read everything that she's written. And I read her most recent one, Surprise Me, on Holiday in Mauritius. And so it's a good premise. It's basically a, a husband and wife that realise that they've probably got the next 50 years of their life together and that prospect kind of scares them. They've had, uh, they've had two kids. They don't want any more kids. And they realize that they've got this long expanse of time ahead of them. Um, and they're kind of intimidated by that. So they go on this challenge called Surprise Me, where they try and surprise each other and do things that aren't expected for each other. But the whole thing goes kind of horribly wrong and shows a lot of like weaknesses in their relationship. And it's a, it's a really funny, really funny book. And you're also very much rooting for them and their, for their success. Um, and you feel really connected to the characters. I think so. Is it be- sad? It is sad. It's a lot about, um, getting to know your partner and realizing how well do you ever really know someone and kind of these secrets unravel throughout the course of the book and in their relationship. And you're really rooting for them. You want it to work out for them. Um, I think Sophie Kinsella has a really wonderful way of painting a picture of people whose lives are very much, it's a very believable story. Their lives could be the lives of your friends or your parents. Um, so it's not so in the realm of ridiculousness, which I think a lot of, um, a lot of women's fiction is, is that you don't really buy into it because it's kind of ridiculous. But Sophie Kinsella does that slight mundanity really well and she makes the whole book really believable. And, you know, I think you get that feeling when you finish something like that where you felt so connected to the characters that you feel a kind of loss when you finish it. Yeah. So you're like, oh, I really got into that and I really felt like I knew them. And that's what I definitely felt after Surprise Me. So, yeah, I'd really recommend that for a bit of light fiction. Interesting. The other thing that I read um, on holiday, which I read because everyone talks about so much, is Elia Oliphant is completely fine. Do you know what? you? I need to borrow this off you because I've heard a lot about it. Does it live up to the sort um, of... It's very unusual. And it's about, uh, it's about a woman who has... Um, has gone through a trauma in her life and who struggles to connect with the world. You're kind of made to think that she might have some kind of learning difficulties. Um, and it's all about her journey and then, uh, 
bouts of depression and everything. But it's written in a, in a way that is so in this woman's head and in her tone of voice that you really, really feel like you're with her. And you go, you get to know her, and she's almost becomes like a friend to you throughout the course of the book. And it has a great twist in it as well. Yeah, I did really like it. I mean, I think its success is phenomenal. And having read it in the context of how many copies it sold, I was a little bit surprised because I don't think it's like the best thing I've ever read. But I had a little cry, and I was connected to it. Um, and I think it's one of the things you have to read a bit like Sally Rooney's books just because everyone's talking about yeah. them. So I'd recommend it on that front. Good stuff. Yeah. I One of my favourite authors is um, a lady called Avari McFarlane. Mm. She's released um, about four books now, I believe. And they're just so good. They're really good. They're all set in the UK. They all have a romantic element. Yeah. And I remember the first book that I read was, um, it was called You Had Me at Hello. Oh, what a book. Oh my God. Oh, you've read this. I you gave, gave it, it to me, you. Yeah. yeah. It's, I just love it because again, you're talking about, it's not, I say yes, it's probably on the trashier end of the, end of the spe- end of the book spectrum, let's say. Mm. But her writing, like, I just love it. It's such a page turner. Um, it's about two university best friends. And then they meet in Manchester by chance 20 years down the line. And it's sort of like how they're in like different kind of parts of their lives. Mm. And, and yeah, I just think it's really beautiful. And I read it in three days. I just kind of ingested it and mm. I loved it. But, um, she's got, she's got a couple more, but I really like Who's That Girl? That, that's her latest novel. And it's sort of this girl, Edie. She's kind of like taking a sabbatical from her job. She doesn't really know what she's doing. She moves back home. Um, and she takes on a job becoming, um, writing a biography for an actor. Mm. And it's sort of like how their friendship forms. They're very funny novels. They're, they're hilarious. And I think it's hard, you know, it's rare to read a book and laugh out loud as a reading, but she has a real style. Knack. And a real She's tone. got the knack, yeah. She does have a knack. I, I very much enjoy what she, I hope she brings up something new next year. Me too. So those are our books of the year. I hope you guys have enjoyed that. So we've got uh, some fantastic authors on next who are going to be chatting to us about their recent books. This is the AT, the About Time podcast. So this week's episode is all about books and authors. And we're very lucky to be joined by the wonderful Lauren Bravo and Kate Lever. Thank you for joining us, guys. Thank you for having us. So, um, Lauren, can you tell us a little bit about your book, because that's come out recently? Of course. It's called What Would the Spice Girls Do? Um, Subtitle, How the Girl Power Generation Grew Up. And it is about the Spice Girls. uh, Spoilers. And um, it's a sort of nostalgic look back at the 90s, being a young girl and a massive Spice Girls fan back in the day, um, looking at all the messages that they gave us, and then sort of juxtaposing that uh, with where we are today in 2018 with feminism as fully grown millennial women. Amazing. And what was the inspiration behind it? How did the book come about? Um, the really honest answer is that my publishers asked me to write it. Okay, great. <laughs> we like honesty. We do honesty. like honesty. Good. I feel like I'm not meant to admit that. No, that's I'm fine. Not... I think full disclosure is good. <laughs> I don't want to lie and pretend that it came to me in a dream. Um, no, I think my publishers are very savvy and they sensed that there was a bit of an appetite out there for 90s nostalgia and talking about the Spice Girls and... Um, Obviously, they guessed right because the tour got announced a few weeks ago, which is lovely timing. Did you have any idea about the tour? No, no, not at all. I think there were rumours circulating for a long time. So I think, you know, we're very pleased that it's true. Are you going to see them? I am, yeah. That's so exciting. I am. It took... um, 
a lot of, well, my poor boyfriend was refreshing three different tabs um, <laughs> for hours on the morning the tickets went on sale. And we didn't get tickets. And then a friend casually messaged me the next day saying that she'd bought three on a whim and did I want one. So. Oh, amazing. That's amazing. Back in the day, Jerry. Mm, good choice. But Sass. yeah, I loved Jerry. I was obsessed and I'm fascinated by her still. Um, if you asked me who I wanted to go to the pub with the most, it would be Emma. Really? Yeah, I really like Emma. I don't know if I'd take her to Spoons. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think she's a Spoons kind of girl. I like Melby. Yeah, I mean... I'm Mel Cena. Are you? Oh, oh, I think she's got the best voice. She has got the she best does. voice. That's that true. is true. Definitely. That is true. She always had the most serious musical aspirations, I think. <laughs> do you not remember mm-hmm. her song of Brian Adams? Of course I do. That was <laughs> one of the classic. best-selling songs of that decade, I think. Yeah, like, it was so such good. a hit. It's so yeah. good. I listened to Mel B on Bryony Gordon's podcast and I just really loved her from oh, it. She she's was just great and she was yeah. so open and honest. And Yeah, she's been on such a, a journey and she's been through mm. some awful stuff and I think it's fantastic what she's doing at the moment with her own books you know yeah really kind of speaking up on behalf of women um which is brilliant and what's the response been like from the book um really lovely so far no i've been very lucky um i think people love a bit of nostalgia uh, mm-hmm. first and foremost so i've had lots of people kind of squealing over the references and the little kind of pop culture nuggets that i've put in there and things that they thought only they remembered um but I guess more widely, I think people have responded really nicely to the message in it, which I was nervous about because I think when you put your head above the parapet and write anything about feminism, you are always nervous that someone is going to pop out from behind a hedge and say, no, you're wrong. And here's why. Um, and particularly when you're talking about something like the Spice Girls, which is quite divisive. Mm. So actually, I, I have been really pleasantly surprised so far that everyone's been very positive. Kate, can you tell us a little bit about the friendship cure? Yeah, of course. So it's basically a celebration of friendship, um, as I suggest that it could be kind of our only salvation from an epidemic of loneliness that we're going through at the moment. So it was basically my chance to be able to speak about something important like loneliness, as well as put forward my case for why Chandler and Monica shouldn't have ended up together in Friends. <laughs> so it's kind of a mix of... Um, <laughs> Serious journalism Mm. as well as some silly, frivolous stuff as well. Mm. Why shouldn't they end up together? Very interesting. I um, believe that it was a bit of cowardice on the part of the the television writers Mm. because I think they essentially set out to write a show about friends and they had six friends who happened to be three and three gender split and we almost ended up with three couples because apparently Phoebe and Joey were meant to end up together as well. You see, I just don't think that so ever would have worked. Just, so wrong on so many levels. Rachel and Joey was bad that enough. Was oh, really that was really bad. bad. That was bad. Oh, I liked Rachel and Joey. No, that was just oh. weird. It was uncomfortable viewing for all. No, I mean, you could feel Rachel squirming. You know, no. she didn't want to be there. That's it. She, not right. she slaps the yeah. hands again and again. She's like, oh, oh. don't know why I did that. <laughs> Amazing. But I just think it would have been a more courageous and potentially more interesting path mm. to take us down is to leave them as friends and to mm. have this joyous celebratory show about friends mm. because it's it's in the name for a start. If any show is allowed to have that territory, it should have been that one. But instead, we kind of neatly got these little couple packages at the end. I mean, Ross and Rachel, you can't argue with. They were sort of destined to be together and the on and off It was thing. in the stars. Yeah, 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 absolutely in the stars. But all the rest of the coupling up, to me, Chandler and Monica just seemed a little bit convenient and a little bit lazy on the writer's part where mm. I actually think she ended up, she should have ended up with Tom Selleck because mm. someone needed to his <laughs> moustache is a waste 
<laughs> have you read um, I'll Be There For You, Kelsey Miller's book? I haven't friends. yet, but I really want to. Oh my God, to. you have to. It's amazing. It sounds amazing. And then she properly deep dives into everything. Like, oh, it's all just about friends. It's entirely about friends. It's kind of like a much longer, um, more well-researched version of my book about friends, you know? So she really kind of <laughs> yeah. goes down to the granular detail and uh, tells the whole story of how it got made, all the decisions they made along the way. Mm. It's brilliant. I love yeah, it. Yeah, I read an article of hers, which was basically an investigation in to some sexual abuse claims that were made by a woman in the writer room, a woman of colour in the writer room. So she was sort of doubly marginalised there. Um, And it was remarkable that she was there at all because it's such a white male environment. And she basically raised some concerns about some language that they used, which was incredibly sexist and sexualized. And it essentially was just me too, but mm. sort of several decades early. Yes. And the reactions of some of the people, particularly high profile people, were really shocking and shocking to read about. So if you haven't read that, you should look that up as well. An article I think was for Bustle, perhaps? Yes, I think so. Really, yeah. really interesting. Yeah. Even just watching Friends Back, like so many years on, you just it's so unwoke. Yeah. Like you see Jerry the way Joey's character behaves. Did like, you say unwoke? Yeah, I'm going to claim that. Wokeless. Yeah. Wokeless. <laughs> it, is, it is. Lacking wokeless. <laughs> I think, I mean, that's Asleep. something. Asleep. <laughs> <laughs> that. Like, they wouldn't have written Joey now. That kind of, like, sexual predator, mm. like, character, that wouldn't have been written in the show Completely. like that now. And I think they've said, actually, that they did have to flesh Joey out. They had to make him... Um, a, a sweeter guy and kind of give him this relationship with the female friends that wasn't sexual he because at the beginning the even, even Matt LeBlanc hated playing him really? I, think. Yeah. I mean my producer's looking pained but I, as I mean I don't think he would have been written in a positive light I can see that character being written now oh, in yeah. a negative light yeah. but that was a positive character but he was still like favourite friends oh my favourite friend. you know what controversially when I first watched it Ross was my favourite <gasps> which I am just what? What? Uh, yeah I know which Why is so sh- I scandalise myself there's no shame it's- <laughs> no, he's so mediocre he's painfully mediocre so upon my second third fourth and now probably hundredth viewing I would have to say don't say Phoebe because there will be Oh, apparently she wasn't very nice really why. oh no, well I do nice. love Phoebe it's very div- it's very difficult for me but I just I think I'm a Jennifer Aniston girl and I think mm. Rachel might I have been my favourite Ra- yeah Rachel haircut, feels realist I think yeah of all of them and, and she, she has, has the best comic timing yeah I would say that I recently watched I went on like a YouTube binge of watching them all now and I watched an interview with them all quite recently I think it was this year and it kind of ruined the whole show for me because they just all look so plastic now I was like what's happened I don't think Jenna Francis had work well sorry I think she has really yeah Courtney Cox yeah, I did anyone watch Cougar Town? I yeah. was very into Cougar Town for one season. This is a safe space. You can admit that. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Matthew. What's he called? Harry. He went. He went. Yeah. He didn't. Didn't he, he did forget drop. most of the t- most of his filming? There were like days and weeks of filming that he actually completely forgot. Yeah. Because yes. he, was so he had a drug problem. High on various drugs. Diet pills, I think, was part of it. Yeah. yeah we, it was weird. There's one episode where they take a break. They take a couple of months break and you'll see him at the start of the episode and he's really big and then you see him at the, yeah, and he's, he's yeah. really tough in. It was weird as well because there was that kind of redemption narrative with Monica and Chandler where she had to be the grown-up and he had to, you know, he was the kid yeah. and she almost taught him how to be in an adult relationship. <sighs> and that is a bit wearisome when you watch it now. Yes, like, I agree. You're like, grow up, bit. Chandler. Yeah, yeah, like, just be better. Come yeah, on. <laughs> like eating pizza. Yeah. Be better. Um, so um, after the break, we are going to be chatting about your careers and freelancing and all that fun stuff. 
Awesome. Lovely. And here's this week's News in Brief. Founders Fergus and Sharmin Jackson at East Dulwich Bakery Brickhouse will be opening their doors on the 6th, the 7th and the 8th of December uh, for the evening for a special family-style Indian supper club that will feature classic street food staples alongside larger dishes. Tickets cost 40 quid. That includes drinks and three courses and and they're available from their website. This is quite an exciting event coming up. So Tabasco, hot sauce and uh, sandwich maestro Max Halley have joined forces to open the UK's first pop-up Christmas sandwich cafe to help perk up commuters the morning after their festive parties. So if you're around London, Victoria on the 7th of December, head there to grab a free sandwich. It's called the Max's Morning Reviver. Um, It's amazing and it includes smoked turkey legs, a fried egg, turkey gravy mayo, Bloody Mary ketchup, Tabasco sauce, shoestring fries, and baby gem lettuce in homemade focaccia bread. On Saturday the 8th and Sunday the 9th of December, Tart London will launch their inaugural Wild by Tart Christmas Fair at their new space in Eccleston Yards, Victoria. The fair will bring together the very best of the festive season's shopping, eating and drinking to celebrate Christmas abundance with a cornucopia of their favourite brands, designers and artisans. Thanks for listening to this week's News in Brief. So what I'd like to talk about now is about freelancing, because I feel like it's a very hot topic at the moment. Everyone's talking about going freelance, logistics of it, payment problems. I, I see all over Twitter mm-hmm. at the moment, everyone's talking about late payments. So I just want to have a chat. you, chat. you're talking about late payments. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I haven't named and shamed, and I've been very proud of that, and I still got a base email, the fact that I'd messaged them like on Twitter asking if someone could reply to me. I was like, I didn't name and shame them. So. I think naming and shaming is, is fine, to be mm-hmm. honest. I think we're actually getting to a point now where freelancer solidarity yeah I mean it's been four months up. like I, I don't think oh, no, I that's wouldn't unacceptable. work no it's four yeah. months I wouldn't work for a company again anyway that didn't pay me up four months so no, but I still have it so I'm quite proud of myself yeah how long have you been a freelancer for Laurie? Um, four years that's long in freelancing that's right I feel like maybe it's five no four years yeah um, yeah yeah so basically as long freelance as pre-freelance being in an office really did, did you plan to go freelance no, I went freelance because I couldn't get a job. Mm, fun. Yeah, I was uh, I was at an agency for four and a half years, um, and you know really wanted to move on. Was kind of was bored of it, and I applied for every job under the sun, and no one wanted me. So eventually, I went freelance. You were freelance, <laughs> yeah. And was that hard at the start? Yeah, really hard. Um, I think I was very lucky in that I did it in baby steps. So um, I went down to four days a week at the agency that I was at and sort of started making contacts and picking up little bits of work and then even when I went freelance I did take with me a bit of work from my old company which is very fortunate you Mm. know and I think if I found it hard even with that cushion I can't imagine how it must be for people who don't have that backup Mm. so yeah it's very difficult um, mentally as well as financially Mm. Um, I think juggling both of those things can be really really tricky it's good to have that little bit of buffer where you've got a bit of work definitely Um, and yeah and I've always um, the whole time I've been freelance pretty much I've always kept up a little bit of commercial stuff as much as I can you know Um, I've always had those kind of nice gigs and maybe done two days a week in an office for six months and those projects you know have kind of 
come and gone and um, that has definitely helped mm. right now I haven't got any of that mm. I'm very much in the thick of it pitching desperately hustling for work every day and it's really difficult yeah yeah, yeah. It, is, it is hard and I don't think it's spoken about that much I think no. freelancers don't have that support network often and that community to go speak to like you would in an office so freelancer solidarity yeah absolutely okay how about you how did freelancing come about um, I moved to London from Sydney about three and a half years ago and landed a dream freelance role which was kind of permanent part-time on a contract um, for JK Rowling's website which was kind of <gasps> dreamy yes she's as wonderful as you could ever imagine oh, um, but that was dream because it was sort of steady regular work with people I enjoyed for a company I cared about um, and that lasted about two years and then in the past year um, I haven't had that so I've kind of been scrambling to make up um, the income and the work from different clients and, mm. and as Lauren just said kind of madly hustling for the work every day and trying to build up at the moment kind of a portfolio of corporate work as well um, so that I can um, you know live yeah live and also just like breathe out a little bit and just know mm. know for a little while where the money and the work is coming from because yeah. that can be exhausting because not every day is a good pitch day and you oh, don't God, always no. wake up feeling proactive or confident or mm. competent or you know all those lovely things um so it, it, i would like for it to be a little less exhausting mm. what do you think is the hardest thing about being freelance getting paid mm. oh yeah yeah that. it's a cliche but right now I would say absolutely the number of sort of out man hours woman hours I should say um that I have wasted begging people to pay me mm. over the last few months is ridiculous um and it's really it's bad for your self-esteem as well I oh, think it's bad yeah. it's also because we've been conditioned particularly as women not to speak about money yes. so to send an email where you're saying please give me the money I am owed it goes against all of our conditioning oh, and, yeah. and you so apologize awful. for it yeah and I find myself saying things like I'm so sorry to be so, such a stickler and I know that it's not that much money and it's not that overdue but please can you pay me yeah and absolutely. I really try to rein that in and stop myself doing it and actually if it's 50 pounds and if it's a day overdue I am still entitled to chase them for that money because mm-hmm. they owe me that money exactly yeah you know, it's that apology thing yes you know? yeah. I'm so sorry for chasing so I shouldn't say sorry for chasing no absolutely not I did a speaking event recently for someone and it was for a big corporation but the woman running it was also a freelancer she paid me within 24 hours <gasps> of my invoice landing in her inbox what a babe and I was like you're a goddess and yeah. I just want to come and find you and kiss you right now <laughs> and she was like no look freelancer to freelancer I get it and there's no reason why I couldn't have paid you so I just don't understand exactly. why it takes so long oh the lines that you get fed as well the whole like oh and yes this is being processed and it's in our system and we're really hoping that it'll go on our next payment run and I if for years I would would take that and now I've started really calling bullshit on it and yeah. I would just say well I got told I got told enough. it was going to be in my account on Tuesday and then on Tuesday I emailed them and they said well we're, we've been processed and it will take up to five days with your bank and I was like my bank no. does not take five <laughs> days 1998 and I was yeah. after a big four months overdue so like it's yeah so many lines I must say I'm a humble um, gentle plug but I'm, I love QuickBooks I don't know if you guys use it but it's amazing it's an accountancy software and it's great because you can like auto schedule your reminders oh, so it kind oh, of takes a lot good. of the a lot of the like ick out of um, chasing because it on the set it so if it's more than a day overdue it will keep emailing them until oh, it's paid brilliant. and it's like pay now pay now pay now so it's just like a sort of it's robot like an auto. PA yeah, doing yeah, yeah. it on your it's behalf it's like a robot and I feel less bad about stuff it's like you've got Sandra from accounts exactly <laughs> Debbie from 
Well, maybe I have considered just setting up a fake email address and pretending to be my own email yeah. account. Yeah. Yeah. I actually so, think that's not a bad shout. Alyssa yeah. will do it for you. Mm. Hi there, it's Sandra from Lauren Bravo. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Limited. I'm not even I limited. Think that's, that's a good idea. idea. <laughs> yeah, it's not a bad idea, actually. You know, when you're like f- freelancing and writing, do you tend to do the bulk of your work at home or do you go to a co working space? So I've just discovered the joys of a co-working mm. space. Um, I have been at, at work life for a month while I've been moving and I have absolutely loved it. I was so much more productive and I didn't expect to be because I have, you know, for four years, I have been quite good at working in coffee shops and the library and then a bit at home. I'm not very good at working all day at home. Mm-hmm. I don't know. How do you find it? Do you go still yeah, crazy? I No, I do work from home most of the time, mm-hmm. but I think my salvation is the fact that I have a dog because uh, yeah, he needs to go outside. So I have built him breaks and I have nature time and I have outside time. So he, and he actually like will just come and distract me and need affection. So I have built in distraction. Got a colleague. Yeah, I've got a colleague. Exactly. I've got an assistant. Perhaps I'll put him on my invoice chasing. <laughs> that honestly makes all the difference working at home. Because yeah. before him, I would go to cafes and libraries as well yeah. and kind of rely on the solidarity of um, kind waiters chatting to yes. me yeah. um, for company. But yeah. It can be quite structurous, I think, the, like constantly working out of coffee shops. Is, mm, I sometimes don't know. Like, yeah, it, I, we've had periods between offices where we've just worked out of Costa and it's like then the Wi Fi breaks. Oh, or, like, yeah. And yeah. you know, or then someone next to you at the table will have a fantastic conversation that you can't yeah. help eavesdropping on, and then you don't get. There's only so many coffees you can actually drink in a day. And oh, you're yeah. like, I'm like nursing a cappuccino for about three hours. And I'm like, I don't. Yeah. I always think there must be a link that people haven't really clocked onto yet, which is how many of us are all suffering from anxiety all day long, and yet also drinking six long blacks in yeah. a day. <laughs> We're just vibrating with caffeine and kind of not really paying attention to that. Literally. If if you were speaking to anyone who was thinking about going freelance, what advice would you give them or any tips that you've learned along the way? Oh, God, that's a hard one. Um, Someone at... When I was starting out, someone advise me to try and have a buffer of mm. some savings so that when you're starting out, you can rely on that um, when you don't get paid mm. or if you don't get the work immediately and you don't have a steady flow of income. Um, I was lucky. I was I did have some savings from back home and that really helped for the first little period. I know it's not possible for everyone, but if you possibly can do that, it can yeah. be really helpful. And also discovering things that are better paid and multiple in- income streams. Yes, yeah. Think, I mean, if you're good with words in a sort of public speaking way capitalize on that and become a public speaker and that's what I've done and that's can be quite lucrative um, or you know go to content agencies and work on branded content because it tends to be astronomically better oh, so much better that is so that is my number one tip I always yeah. give people if they want to become freelance writers is you know do not like don't feel don't buy the myth about having to be starving in a garret to be a proper artist like yeah all of the most successful journalists and columnists that you know, I guarantee you, will have some like secret, dirty corporate commercial work that they do, and it shouldn't be secret or dirty because you know Absolutely. It, there's no shame in it. It's mm. it's you know it, it can often be fun to do. It's a nice break from the sort of cycle of relentlessly having to pitch angry hot takes all the time. Yeah. You know, it's actually quite satisfying to write kind of yeah a whole page of taglines for a company and send them in, and you've done the job and you get paid well. Um, yeah, so I think seeking out that work actually is really important. Mm. Yeah, so the 
corporate stuff as well. Definitely. Also talk to other freelancers. My life has changed since I've sort of had a book club that's made up of other female journalists and a freelancer club that meets once a, once a month for a boozy lunch where we bitch about which editors are awful to us that and which are the good great. ones. Yeah, well, you're welcome Can to I come. come. <laughs> yeah, all of you are. It's wonderful. Um, because otherwise you miss out on the gossip of office culture, which is always one of my favorite parts. Mm. Um, and you miss out on the collaborative stuff and you miss out on just the companionship. Um, so true. It can be quite a lonely thing to be freelance. Yeah. And also you just need to be able to compare rates and compare etiquette and talk about how many pitches get turned down and how dispiriting that is oh, and have someone understand it. Yeah. Mm. I would say also the flip side of that though is do not get too hung up on comparing your productivity rate mm. um, and the work that you do with other people. Mm. So I, um, and I still struggle with this, but I'm getting better at it in that I am not a fast writer and I'm not very good at doing those kind of picture at 8 a.m., file it by noon, topical pieces, which other writers do brilliantly and it's their bread and butter. And I wish I could do more of those, but I just, that's not my style and I'm not very good at that. Mm. Um, so I think don't beat yourself up watching everybody else. You know, if you are making a living and you're not miserable and you're getting by, then you're doing well. <laughs> you Absolutely. know, that's fine. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for talking to us, guys, and sharing your advice. If people would like to find out more about you or follow you on social media, where can they find you? I am at Lauren Bravo on everything. Nice and easy. <laughs> and I am at Kate I Lever. We go. Thank you so much, guys. Thank, Thank you so much for having us. Great. This is the AT, the About Time podcast. This is the point in the show where we chat about restaurants and where we've been eating recently. Alicia, have you eaten anything delicious recently? Do you know where I went? I went to South London. Well, it's not South London. I went to London Bridge yeah. um, for lunch last week. And um, I was like meeting Flatiron Square. So have you ever been to Flatiron Square? I haven't, but I've heard a lot about it. So it's Flatiron Square. There's loads of street food traders. And at the moment, there's like an alpine like bar outdoors. It was Friday lunch. It was heaving. Mm. And there's loads of street food stores. You've got ramen. You've got pizza. You've got salads. But there are actual restaurants within it. And we were going to get something to eat that grab and go. And I was like, do you know what? Let's actually sit down. So there's a restaurant called Where the Pancakes Are. Mm. Have you ever been? I know. I've heard about it. They basically specialise in Dutch pancakes. Yeah. So they specialise. Like Dutch babies. Yeah. So they specialise in Dutch babies and sweet and savoury pancakes. Um, so it was lunch. And I hadn't really, I don't really fancy, um, you know, a sweet pancake, let's say. Um, but I had a really nice veggie fry-up, which incorporated two pancakes on my plate. Um, so the veggie fry-up had um, pancakes. Soup. Was it nice? It sounds kind of weird. Oh, it was very weird. Because <laughs> it was like pancakes, fried egg, halloumi, roasted peppers, cherry tomatoes, baked beans, portobello mushrooms, and a pot of maple syrup. With a pancake? Yeah, but I took the maple syrup off because I don't like a sweet and savoury. I just think halloumi and maple syrup is a no-no. Yeah, so I t- I removed that from right. the equation. Okay, fine. But I had the the kind of pancake was like a bread, mm. not like I, it acted as my bread for my egg, and it was just really nice. I really had a lovely time. The pancake, I'm not a pancake fan. You know, I'm not a pancake. Fan. I'm surprised you didn't have the sweet ones because that's what everyone talks about. But I felt like it was one o'clock and I didn't really want a sweet pancake for lunch. Mm-hmm. I feel like, yeah. But it was really nice. Like the pancakes, I'm not really a pancake fan, but they were light, they were fluffy. Were they a bit more like a, like a Yorkshire pudding thing? Because like, when I've seen them, they've been big. 
Mm, these were like, you know, like scotch. Oh, tiny ones. Okay, fine. I yeah, but they've got big ones as well. Because also they have like Dutch babies where you can get like goats, goat's cheese, cheddar, parmesan. They do like vegan pancakes. This is wild. Yeah. And also... It's a, it's a new world, as my grandma would say. Guess what I had as well? What? Hot chocolate. Did you? Made with oat milk and it was really nice. This is a weird combination of things. But they do, it's kind of, it is... You know, they do vegan breakfast with vegan pancakes. It's like a bit like the Breakfast Club, one of those like all day breakfasty kind of vibes. Yeah, but but better, way better than the Breakfast Club. Yeah, Breakfast Club is tourist type, it's in my crap. opinion. Yeah, it's not that good. Don't go to so Club. I went on Saturday night to Cafe Bohem. Have you ever been there? It's on the corner of Greek Street in Soho, like Greek Street, Old Compton, just around there. Yeah, and it's a French restaurant. Um, very moody French vibe, candle lit, basically like eating in the dark, packed, like literally packed. It was a Saturday night, super busy, and we went there for some drinks and then we ended up staying for dinner. I have two things I'd like to say. Firstly, I just don't get French food. Now, I know that's an awful thing to say, but I feel like French food is so stuck in it in the dark ages in terms of like just modernizing and what people actually want to eat. And it's just like heavy and creamy and just like full on. And yeah. I'm, I'm not sure people want to eat like that anymore. People want to have like small plates. But French onion soup. There's a couple of classics. Isn't it fine. refreshing though, in a sea of small plates, <laughs> that you can actually get a good tart to tan? <laughs> It is refreshing to have a meal to yourself. It's the other extreme, isn't it? It's just really heavy and yeah, really creamy. Is. So that's the first thing I say. The second thing I'd say is it's really rubbish being vegetarian and going out for a group dinner because you split the bill and then everyone else got like steak tartars yeah. and coca vat and there was me getting a rock for salad. But you don't, you never want to be that guy to be like, like, well, oh, I had this and you had that and you will be outed from the group. Exactly. So well, my secret now is just even when everyone else isn't ordering cocktails to have a cocktail because I'm yeah, like, you I might to. as well. So I had a porn star martini, which was delicious. Mm. Um, so what did I eat? I had some pumpkin soup, very tasty. Um, did the pumpkin soup come with any sort of bread? It, yes, some very French bread, like classic white French baguette, oh. really, really salty butter. I do appreciate the salted butter in the French food. Um, and then I had a Roquefort on even walnut salad. Yeah. But I mean... Classic. It's, I'm talking about December gels. Yeah, I know. That's why, why they really have a salad. That's not going to hug you on a cold winter's night. Vegetarian, mm. other than and I don't eat eggs. That's the other problem. It's all very eggy. Um, and then we shared cod with leeks, and it, but it didn't come with any carb, which I had an issue with. So it was just cod with loads of butter. Do you know what? It was all fine. It was just all really French. You're just not sunny. You just don't like French food. I just don't think I like French food very much. I mean, I like French people are okay. French food, though. I mean, I like the sweet stuff. Patisserie is fine. You can stay, but the rest of it can go. Dessert, talk to me. Didn't have one. Oh. 35 quid, and I didn't have a dessert. Outrageous. But that is what you get for being a bloody vegetarian these days. You should, I should have ordered a side, shouldn't I? Anyway, that's Cafe It needed Bowen. some sort of mashed potato. I'm also not 100% that it isn't owned by Soho House. I have a feeling, because Soho House is just upstairs, that it might have been bought out. Uh, which was, also, it was quite funny. To the waiter, I was between the Rockport salad and the tuna soirs, and I was like, is it fresh tuna? It was £18 on the menu. He was like, no, 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 that's expensive. It's from a tin. I, love, I appreciated his honesty. Yeah. Tin tuna is ghastly. I, I mean, I don't eat fish, but I remember when I when I had worked in a pub and I had to make tuna mayo um, sandwiches and jacket potatoes, and the smell was just gag worthy. Vile, but you think for an eighteen quid yeah, salad, I mean, they could they could catch some. Yeah. Good grief! So that's cafe burn if you want to try it. Well, you've got pancakes or French food, so yeah. knock yourself out. <laughs>
Well, thank you so much for joining us, guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode. We'll be back next week with another episode. In the meantime, you can subscribe and rate and review so more people can find the show. And you can follow us on Twitter at About Time Mag. Perfect. Speak to you next week. You've been listening to the AT. For more of the best things to do in London and beyond, visit abouttimemagazine.co.uk or follow us at About Time Mag. This has been a candy store production for About Time magazine, hosted by Angelica Malin and Alicia Grimshaw and produced by Van Connor. Spirit Body by Ketzer appears under Creative Commons 3.0. Visit ketzermusic.com for more, with recording facilities in partnership with Jova London. Head to jovalondon.com for more information.